0: Can Be New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if I was being introduced there or not. I <laughs> caught me napping there. Usually when a referee introduces me, it's to the, to the gate. To the door. So, um, good morning. It is really good to see you. It's good to be here this morning. I love to spend time together like this. And in just a moment, we're going to dive into God's word. But before we do that, I wonder if you remember the old prayer that circula- circulated on the internet several years ago. The prayer read, Lord, I've done pretty well today. I've not said a bad word, I've not spoken harshly to my wife. I haven't lost my temper with my employees, but Lord, I'm about to get out of bed, and uh, so if you could help me for the rest of the day, I would really appreciate it, and I, uh, I, that's how we feel sometimes, isn't it? I mean, that's really how we feel. Have you ever started the day determined to do the right thing, uh, but then you feel powerless to do it? You want to be patient, uh, you don't want to gossip, you don't want to complain, But before lunchtime, you've already failed, you've blown it, and we wonder why we even tried in the first place. And we can be frustrated because we continue to suffer the consequences of our own bad choices. It's really hard to live in the spirit when the flesh is so tempting. When there's that struggle, there, 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 there's that tug of war that goes on, and we're in a series titled Breaking Free, and we're walking verse by verse through the chapter, first, or excuse me, the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. In Romans 8, the apostle Paul writes about a series of, of forces that compete against each other, that are pulling against each other. If you remember, last week, it was condemnation and Grace. And this week, Paul is going to teach us about two other options, and that being, you can live in the Spirit or you can die in the flesh. I know life isn't easy even when we belong to Christ. In fact, sometimes it gets, it gets harder and harder because we become more aware of, uh, of what's going on spiritually, of the things that are going on, the struggles that we face. We know that our true life isn't in this world, but it, it's in the next world in eternity with Jesus Christ. We know that's where we're headed. We know that's where we're going. And that's what makes it so difficult. We still live in these bodies of flesh. Um, we're so inclined to chase after the pleasures of this world, the sin of this world, the flesh. But we know that we're being guided by the Holy Spirit who has a different set of desires for us all together. And God's people struggle against the desires of the flesh. But when we live in the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with God's Spirit, what we experience is freedom. What we can experience is joy like we've never experienced joy or freedom before. What I want you to do is I want you to take out your Bible, if you have it today, and open it to Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles under the seats around this building, and if you can't get to one, it's not close enough. Be brave enough. Ask your neighbor. Maybe they'll share with you. And uh, if not, then you can follow along on the overheads. Today we're looking at Romans chapter 8 and we're looking at verses 5 through 17. It's Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 17. Now what's going to happen in this passage of scripture is the Apostle Paul is going to give us five proofs of what it means to to live in the spirit. He's going to give us five evidences of a person or people who live in the spirit of God. And so there are these five evidences, and the first one is this. The first one is your mindset changes. They, when you become a Christ follower, your mindset changes. Listen to what he says in verses 5 and 6. He says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Now there's there's a phrase here that talks about having your mind set on what the flesh desires. It's talking about what preoccupies your thinking. It's really focusing you on what, what do you think about? What does your thought life look like? What captivates your thinking? What do you think about most of the day? Uh, What are the thoughts that pop into your mind? Because that's going to give you a good indication of your thought life, the patterns of your thought life. So you see, the mind is a very powerful thing, either in the hands of the enemy or in the hands of the spirit. The Bible has a lot to say about our thought life. Solomon says, What a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Jesus says... What a man thinks in his heart, or excuse me, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And then Jesus goes on, and he also says, and and I like this, I have to go to this every now and again. It's in the Gospel of Matthew, and he says, Don't worry or be preoccupied with the life you're living in the flesh, but seek first his kingdom. Those are things of the Spirit, and all of these things will be added unto you. So, for instance, if you worry about not having enough, if that's your worry, if you're worried constantly, and those are the things that are popping into your head about not having enough money or not having enough resource or just not having enough, if if that's your worry, that what you're doing there is you're literally building a prison in your thought life labeled worry. I love what Corey Tim Boone says. She says, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows, it empties today of its strength. And I agree with that. And I say amen to that. I've experienced that. Romans says, and Paul writes this a little further on in the book of Romans, in Romans 12 2, He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. That's the flesh. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the spirit. Paul also says in several other places, he has a lot to say about what it means to be in Christ Jesus, what it means to be in the Spirit. Colossians 3, 2 and 3 tell us what that looks like. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So he's 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 just coming back. He's emphasizing what this is all about. It's about our thought life. So if you struggle with your thought life, whether it be worry, that might be one thing, fear, anxiety, despair, lust, all of those kinds of things. They can be prisons in our thought life. Well, we can do this, and I want you to do this. I want you to run your thought life through this filter. And this filter is found in Philippians 4.8. And it's a wonderful filter, it's a wonderful gauge that you would say, listen, what what I want to do is I want to conform to what the Word says in Philippians chapter 4, 8. You can put it up there. And it says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is what the spirit life looks like. Philippians chapter 4, 8 really captures what the spirit life looks like. It captures for us what freedom in our mind looks like. Uh, because we, we, we have things that are spinning around in our head. Uh, we have things that are spinning around in our head that only God and I know about. And when they 're left there without a a filter a, a a place where they can go something to critique what is going on in my mind in my thought life, then, then it feels like we 're just out there uh, randomly trying to fend for ourselves. But the Bible says we 're not fending for ourselves, that there is a process that we can live by when it comes to our thought life. In fact, the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter ten verse five, he says, "Take captive every thought." to make it obedient to Christ Jesus. See, so there is a way. You're you're not a victim to to your thoughts. You're not a victim to the things that come into your mind. The Bible says that we have the power in Christ. We have the power in His Spirit to overcome. Some of you may be thinking to yourself, well, Ron, you don't know the things that I see at work or hear at work. And I might not know all those things. I've had my share of those things. But I also know this, that what 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, has has paid fruit, dividends in my own life. That when there's something there, what we can say is, Lord, we want to take captive every thought to make it obedient to you. And so while we struggle with a spiritual tug of war, that happens each day in our minds. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in our thought life we have freedom and that you have have freedom available to you in your thought life. The one area you thought was untouchable, the one area you thought no one else could get to, you, get, you, you come to this place and you recognize, wow, I need to have a mind change. I need to have a mindset change. And that only happens in the Spirit of God. It's when God's Holy Spirit controls our minds. Here's the second proof that a person is living in the Spirit, and that's that your desires change. So you have a mindset change, And then you have desires that change. Paul says that in verses 7 and 8. It says this in Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. It goes on and says to us, The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Paul is saying that when you come to Christ... We have a power that enables us to overcome sin. And for some of you, that might be the first time you're hearing that. For some of you, you might be thinking, really? Wow. You mean I can tap into this? Absolutely. Because before you're in Christ, before you know Christ, you're subject only to the whims and wishes of a flesh. That that, that no matter how hard you try to be good, it's a futile effort outside of Christ Jesus. And now what this word is telling us is now we're in a place where in Christ Jesus we have a power that can overcome. But it's a power that's often not tapped into. It's a power that's often not activated in our lives. And that is the power of His Holy Spirit. You see, what we try to do is we try to deal with our own desires in the, in the way that we want to deal with them. Sometimes that's giving in to them. But we know that's not going to lead us to life. We know that leads us to death. And so now what the Bible says here is that we have the power of God's Holy Spirit, the infilling, the strength of God's Holy Spirit, that God wants our lives and the choices we make to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So when you said yes to Jesus... When you said, yes, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life, it wasn't just to have him be resident in your life. It was to have him be the president in your life. It's not an add-on. When we say, well, Lord, yeah, just come in and take care of this area because it's really hurting right now. Hey, Lord, if you can come in and help me with my business, but after you're done, if you wouldn't mind vacating, I'd feel a lot better about it. I got it from here. No, this is not about residency. This is about presidency that He presides over our life. In the Spirit, we're under the authority of Jesus Christ. In the flesh, we desire what we want when we want it. So here's how I know that, that, that I'm not walking in the Spirit, that I'm walking in the flesh, and it usually has to do with when I see something that I want, you know. So you see something you want, and 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 if we can get out then with it, we're, we're gonna we're gonna be good. But but because we all see things we want, it's what happens after that. That when we see something we want, then my mind convinces me that I deserve that. You've gone down that rabbit trail. My mind deserves it, and we we kind of justify it. We think, well, yeah, I deserve this. You know, I've worked hard. I've had a hard day. I haven't really sinned a lot today. So, man, I could do this. I, th- my mind, I, you, you, what you do is you convince yourself, your mind, convince, your flesh mind convinces yourself that you deserve it. And then it goes even deeper after that. Once you've convinced, you've justified the fact that you, and we do this, justify the fact that you deserve something that you want, then you go to the next place and you say, really, I, I don't only really deserve it, I need it now. I I need that, I need that glass of wine every night before I go to bed, I, I, I need that thing of ice cream, I need this, I need that. What we do is we start to bring it to that place. What we're seeing there is we're seeing the activity of the flesh in our lives. Now, I don't know if this happens to you, but it happens to me. And I'm glad that my wife uh, does not send me to the grocery store too often. I think that's, this is the reason why she doesn't send me to the grocery store too often. It's because of these. And um, see, you know, you know, I can get through the store, and I'm good. And I, I can get through the store. I, I'm good. Except the other day I was going down the ice cream aisle, and I love, I have to confess, I love Rocky Road, and it was like my shopping cart was pulling me. It was actually leading me. I wasn't pushing it. And I'm thinking, wow, that really sounds good right now. And I, I stopped myself right there and I turned and did a U-turn. But then you get up to the counter. These things speak to you. They have a life of their own. And and what you can do is you can say, wow, you look down and these things, you have your name on it. And you think to yourself, man, I, I deserve that. I I really deserve those candy bars, and and then I'm thinking, man, I really need that, you know? I need this so I'm not grouchy, you know? I, I need this so so I'm a better me, and I need the protein, and I, I need all those kinds of things, and so, you know, candy bars can, can be one of those things, uh, and maybe for you, it's not a candy bar, it might be something else, it might be might be a might be a car it might be clothes I don't know but if I am walking in the spirit I've I've given the spirit permission and authority to regulate my wants and my desires it's not about what I want it's about what he wants and he always wants the best for me a couple of years ago um I I I wanted this this, I wanted this car, and I've always wanted this kind of car, and, and I thought, I, I'm gonna, I, now I deserve this car, and, and now I really need this car, and, and I got it, and, and, you know, I never, I never felt really at peace with it, I just never felt comfortable with it, and, and so, I, I went to Annette, and I said, I, I don't, I, you know, it was a couple years later, so I enjoyed it, but, um, <laughs> I, I didn't, but I just never had this settledness, and so I said, you know i I think I just need to sell this car. She goes, yeah, but you like it know say, yeah, that's the problem, you know I like it, I like it too much and so i um i said i 'm going to sell it this car, and so i did and and um and I, and I went out and bought this uh, old ninety one Cadillac and uh and, it, and it's kind of a hoot for me because I went and got this 91 Cadillac. Um, and, you know, it breaks down on me a lot now. You know, it's just breaking down, poor girls losing her steam, you know. And, but I'll tell you what, this is the difference. I, I can ride in a car that, that I, what, I, I didn't have any peace with. Or I can ride in a broken down car that I have a lot of peace with that car, you know. <laughs> We're all right. You know, I'm good in that. And, and one of the things I know, and it might not be the same for everyone, uh, it might be something totally different. But for me, I know that's something I want to look at. I, I, needed to, I, need, I need to be accountable to the Spirit of God in my life. And so I'm now doing something I told myself 30 years ago I would never do. I'm a pastor driving a Cadillac. That was the stereotype. <laughs> I am now a pastor driving a Cadillac. Don't hate. You know, that's just, it's uh, not as good as it looks, okay? I just want to tell you that right now. But but I think it's that peace that comes. That's how we know. That's an indication that we're we're walking in the Spirit. We're being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, "Man, I'm so blessed. I am. Whew, I am so glad that I don't have that same problem my pastor does with candy bars and cars, man. Because that is really. You know what? I'm going to pray for that old poor soul. You know, he really needs to have a lot of prayer for what he's dealing with. Well, let me say this to you. Please keep praying for this poor old soul because I need it, okay? So, so do that. But maybe your struggle and desire is something else. You know, maybe you, you're struggling and desires to please people even more than you please God. In the flesh, you may desire the approval of others more than you desire the approval of God. You know, when, when, we're, when we're people pleasers, one thing that you battle against is, is that thought that says, oh, I wonder what they think of me. You know, I really wonder, and especially this person, whoever that is, I wonder what they think of me, because what they think of me is so important. What they think of me might even be more than what, uh, what, what you want God to think of you, that you want their approval. And if I tell somebody that, that I go to church and, and I go to the mission field, I have devotions, I, you know, I, I love Jesus, they, they might think I'm crazy. They might, that person might really think I'm crazy. So I'm going to hide my faith from these people because I really care about what they think about me. We hitting any raw nerves yet because the car and candy? We hitting it with this one? Because this is true about our life. There are things where the flesh takes over. So the question is, are you more concerned with their approval or are you more concerned with the approval of God? Are you listening more to the voice of your flesh or more to the voice of God's Holy Spirit? So remember the decision that we make in our flesh is only to satisfy our flesh for that moment. It's it's temporary. But the decision we make to live in the Spirit to honor the Spirit of God in our lives and be full of the Spirit, that that bears fruit for eternity. It has long-lasting fruit. So here's the, the third proof that a person is living in the Spirit, and that's that your perspective changes. So your mindset changes, your desires change, your perspective changes. Look at verses 9 through 11. It says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ... But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit who raised him, who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Powerful. Powerful. I don't, I don't want you to lose what this is really saying to us. This is a powerful thing. It's talking about the, the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that God raised him from the dead. The power of that, when we accept Christ, when he's in our life, when we say yes to him, resides in us powerful thing. And I want you to notice the beginning of verse 9. Paul shifts here in in verse 9. It says, you however. Now what he's doing, he's drawing a contrast. Whenever you see that, you however. He's drawing a contrast. Paul is letting us know there is something different about those who walk in the flesh to those who walk in the Spirit. And if you look at the verses that we just read, you'll see the word if. It's, it's repeated a few times. If you are in Christ Jesus. If you have the mind of the flesh. See, he's saying this. So he's letting us know that we, what we need to do in this place is th- those that trust in Jesus walk in the Spirit. He's the Lord of our lives. This is a daily battle. That's why every day we're asking God to help us. We're asking God to fill us with His Spirit. We're asking God to give us what we don't have. Every day I wake up, I'm saying, Lord, and it's a very simple prayer, not religious, not long, doesn't even have King James in it. It's really just kind of one word. It's help, you know, help. I need help. Lord, I need help today because I'm not that creative, I'm not that smart, I'm not that intellectual, Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. These are the things, I'm not that wise. Lord, I, I know this, that. That my capacity is really limited when it it comes to what we need to face the world we live in. My capacity is limited. But your capacity is great. Your capacity is awesome. You are a great God. And I need your wisdom. I need your intellect. I need your creativity. I, I need everything. And I know that comes through the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, fill me with your Spirit. I need you to a spirit-filled life just doesn't come naturally. It's it's something we deal with every day. A spirit-filled life is almost counter... It is counterintuitive to our flesh. (laughs) You know, that's why Jesus says things that just kind of blows you out of the water. He says, hey, you want to live? Then you need to die. What? Well, you want to be first? Yeah. Well, then you need to be last. Oh, man. He's always flipping the world upside down on us. But this is what it's saying. Being spiritually minded, being filled with the Holy Spirit, will be counterintuitive to your flesh. So, so if you if you if you know you you know you've heard something good, God say to you, and, and you step into that and you start to go that way, and then there's that that timid, timidity or fear. It's a, it's probably a it's a good clue. God is asking you to step out. But we stop right there. We don't, we don't fulfill the thing that God wants. The, every day when we get up, we need to say, God, I crucify my flesh. My flesh needs to die today. And I want you to live in me. I want you to be alive in me. This is so important to us because there are some that say, well, eternity in heaven is, is wishful thinking. If, you know, that yeah, a bunch of Christians got together, they made all this up. But, but I'm going to tell you right now, when you read through Scripture, and you read especially the Apostle Paul, you know it's entirely something different. Uh, you know that there is an eternity for us, waiting for us, heaven waiting for us in Jesus Christ, that we will spend eternity with Jesus. So Paul says that if Christ is in you, then your perspective changes about life. That you're looking at things a lot differently than you used to in the old life. In the old man, you're looking at things differently. That this body and this earth is not your permanent home because the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Lives in you. Eternity with Him is your home. So when the Spirit of Jesus lives in you, then your perspective in this life changes. You see things differently than you used to see things. It changes from hopelessness to hope. It changes from confusion to peace. It changes from faithless to faithful. Several weeks ago, I I visited one of my favorite old saints who's a charter member of this church that that she knew she was passing on. She knew that it wouldn't be long until she was going to be in heaven with Jesus. So so I ran up there, and and when I went into her her room, I was astounded at just the presence of God, That, that her perspective was not as a victim. Her perspective was not, woe is me. Her perspective was, and she looked me in the eyes, and she said, I get to see Jesus pretty soon. And I'm thinking, yeah, and I got excited. I got excited because I'm, 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 I'm with somebody who's going to be with Jesus in a, in a few hours, and I want your autograph. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I, want, I want your autograph. I want, would you tell him in person some things for me? And the perspective was so different. You see, when you are spirit-filled, when you are spirit-led, your perspective, even about the things that concern death, change. It isn't that you don't have sorrow and grief, but you know that you're going to be with Jesus in eternity. And uh, I didn't know this, but when I left, I was walking out, and I turned back, and I looked at this dear lady, and she was looking at me, and she was going like this. (laughs) I'm out of here. And uh, about two hours later, she was out of there. She went to be with Jesus. You see, your, your perspective... It really does change. And how we look at life, how you view life, it could either be in the flesh or it could be in the spirit. A group of old guys were hanging out with each other. We were in a rest home in Florida, and they were always met every morning. And, and so one guy says, man, I can't even. I'm so weak, I can't even lift this cup of coffee I'm drinking. And another guy says, well, I can't even see the coffee they put on my table. And another guy says, I forgot what I ordered. I don't even remember what I ordered. And got quiet there for a little bit, and one of the guys spoke up and says, Yeah, thank God we, we can still drive. I mean, we still have our driver's <laughs> license. I mean, thank the Lord for that, you know. Um, perspective, you know. Live this life with eternity in mind, live this life with a perspective that is spiritually minded in Christ Jesus. And here's the fourth. The fourth proof, another proof, is your purpose changes. Your purpose changes. Romans 12 uh, and 13 says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because we are people of the Spirit, we're obligated according to the Spirit now. You're not obligated to live according to the flesh. Before you knew Christ, you were. It was the only way you could live. But now in the Spirit, there is, and the word obligation also means a debt, that there's something that's happened here that's changed our lives, that Christ sacrificed for us. And we're saying now we're we're obligated to the spirit life that God has given us. We're no longer obligated to the old nature, which is controlled by the flesh. That in Jesus you have changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your purpose for living has changed. You see, your purpose, every, your purpose changes. And you can hear people talk about this a lot that have really experienced uh, Jesus changing their life and being filled with God's Spirit. They say, man, I'm just different. My purpose has changed. I don't have the same purposes or purpose I used to have. It's different now. We love others because he first loved us. We forgive others because he has first forgiven us. That is not the way I lived before Christ. I can guarantee you that. My purpose has changed. Our our purpose in this life is to take as many people with us into heaven as possible. That's really the bottom line. Can I simplify all this for us? It's not about religion, and it's not about all these other things we want to make it about. It's not about organizations and all those kinds of things. It's about being a disciple of Jesus Christ and helping others become disciples of Jesus Christ and helping them be disciples of Jesus Christ because we all got the same home in mind. It's heaven, so we're just trying to get everybody there. Is that easy? That works. That works. It's making disciples for Christ Jesus. That's what what this is about. And anything where we get hung up in other areas, it's it's really not where Christ is leading us. How can we maximize every moment that we live? How can our purpose be driven by the needs of others rather than our own? That's a good way to weigh it. I don't know if you, you, you've done this before. If you haven't, I would encourage it. If you've never been to a, I'm going to say this, a third world nation or developing nation, you, you want to you have God get a hold of you in a radical way, that's a place it can happen. Because you get there and you recognize it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about, it's about people getting into heaven and helping them get there and, and, and ministering to them and their needs. incredible it's incredible i've said this before but i just i think it bears worth repeating several years ago went to nigeria and spent time there but on the way out i was in the airport and before i went through security there was a a a muslim kneeling on a prayer board it was during ramadan pretty dangerous time there and and um and the lord said "You just go pray with him and so i walked over i put my hand on his back he looked up and I said, I notice you're a man of prayer. And he says, yes, I am. I said, can I pray with you? And he said, yeah. And he scooted over on this little prayer board, and I knelt down. And I, uh, I said, how can I pray for you? And he touched his heart. He went like this. And uh, he started to weep. He started crying. I thought, okay. And I, I said, now I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. He can be yours as well. And I prayed the good news, the gospel, just prayed it out loud so he could hear it. He just kept weeping. He just kept crying, breaking down. And when I was done, he just gave me a big hug. Didn't want to let me go. Just kept hugging me and kissing me and hugging me and kissing me. You know, I said, man, I got a plane to catch, you know. Uh, um, <laughs> but that, and it was cool. And so I got up, and I started to walk away. And I, and I just took a look back at him, and he, he looked at me, and I distinctly heard God just say to me, you'll see him again. You'll see him again. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't think he knows where Canby is. You know, I don't, <laughs> and I don't think he's going to get to Canby. And then, you know, I'm a little dim-witted. I thought, oh, I'm going to see him again. I'm going to see him again. I'm going to see him again. See, that's what this is really all about. I love the years that my dad would coach. My dad was a great coach, and I love the years he coached, and he'd coach third base, and and my favorite sign from a third base coach, my favorite sign is when you hit first, and you hit second, and when you hit second, you look at the third base coach, and my dad used to do this all the time, my favorite sign. (laughs) Hey, That's when the afterburners go on, man, and you start heading for home, because isn't home your goal? Isn't that what you want to do? You want to get home? When I'd see that, man, I, I, I love this sign. I hated this sign, you know, because it is full throttle. Just get there. Just run and get to home because the point of this game is not to stop at third base and chit-chat with a coach say, let's have a little coffee. The point of the game you're in right now is not to have all these peripheral conversations about things that don't matter. It's about getting home. Getting home. And I used to love this, and what I'd say now is, "Come on folks. don't don't stop people here. Get home. Help people Help people get home. I just see Jesus going like this, <laughs> "Come on, you guys, come on, no, 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 don't no, stop there. What are you doing? What are you talking about? Let's go. Let's get home. That's really what this is all about. And then the last proof in Romans chapter eight uh, verses five through seventeen. Is that your identity changes. In verses 14 through 17, it talks about the change of identity that we have. Because those who are now led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in in order that we may also share in His glory. Now, I want to tell you something. Be real clear about this. There's no other place in Scripture that this word is used by the Apostle Paul only to Jesus. It's, here's the word. It's, it's, it's Abba, Father. It's only used at the baptism. That's what God spoke. What, that's what Jesus spoke to God, said Abba, Father. It's, it, it, it's the only other place that it is is right here. And what you need to know about it, it's a very intimate term. It literally means daddy or, or papa. It's not a formal term like saying sir or mister or even father. There's a respect, of course, for authority here, but but it's also an intimate term that you use. It's talking about relationship, and that's really what God wants. He wants a relationship with you through his son, Jesus Christ, so the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That's what he wants. And so he says in order for that to happen, we got to get a little closer here. You can call me Abba Father. You can, call me, uh, you can call me Daddy. That's the literal translation. That we are sons and daughters of God. That you have been adopted. Your DNA changes. Your identity changes here. Because what God can provide you as Abba Father is not what an earthly father can provide. As good as they may be, they can't provide what Abba Father provides for you. And it's not just Jesus that gets to refer to God as Abba. Every believer in Christ can refer to him as Abba Father. God is our Abba. What I love is, Paul doesn't stop there. He goes even further with this. He says, hey, you know, you can call me uh, daddy. You can call God daddy, father. But you need to know something. There's some good stuff attached to this. This isn't just about feeling good and now you've got a papa in your life. This is about something more than that. It goes deeper. He says, and we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. That's huge. You should perk up with that one. I mean, your heart should get attentive with that one. I, it would if you were in a room right now and you were talking over a, a relative's will with an attorney and that attorney said you are an heir. All of a sudden, your eyes, your eyes got wide, your ears got open. Oh, I know where it's coming next. I'm an heir. What does an heir imply? An inheritance. What it says here is that you have an intimate relationship with your father in heaven, Abba Father, and now you're being called an heir? Whoa! This just this just went deeper. Here's the deal: there's an inheritance here. You're an heir. You have an inheritance. And it's not from an earthly father. It's from the father of the universe. And the Bible says we don't even really have a clue what that inheritance looks like. I mean, we have some idea. We look through a glass darkly, but eye and ear, we haven't heard or seen what is in store for those who are in Christ Jesus, who are heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus. That's amazing. You don't even know what you're in for. It's an inheritance. But this only happens when you make a choice to surrender your life to Christ. That's, that's how that works. To you surrender your, your life to Christ. And you say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. A couple days ago, this, this phrase just kept going over and over in my head. And it's um, out of Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. Sound familiar? Romans 8. With its passion and desires. Here it is. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's the phrase. It just kept going. Now, keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. I was just just saying, i got to sort this out. Keep in step with the Spirit. Afternoon, I laid down to take a nap on my couch, and um, closed my eyes and I heard the wall clock ticking. I think I just hear it. How many fall asleep to the wall clock ticking or your little clock? It just ticking and I was kind of dozing off and I thought, wait a minute. So I opened my eyes up and I looked at that wall clock and that wall clock, it it, it it looks like a clock and it ticks like a clock. It sounds like a clock but it hasn't kept time for about a year or so. I mean, it is so inaccurate and I'm thinking the very... Main function, the very reason you exist on that wall is to tell me the time, and you're not telling me the time. You sound like a clock, you look like a clock, but you're not doing the main function a clock does, and that's to keep in step with time. Or do's. <laughs> if you're in the South. So, my question was, God... I mean, do I, do I just, do I look just look like a Christian and sound like a Christian, but I don't keep in step with the Spirit? I mean, it looks good, sounds good, but it's not accurate. It's not accurate. And really, isn't that the, the main function of a believer's life? It's so important, and the reason why is because the main function of our life is to be like Jesus. And the way that happens is through the infilling of his Holy Spirit. And we have, I know folks that, may not sound like a Christian. They, they look like one, but not keeping in step with the Spirit of God. That makes all the difference. That's what makes you a believer in Christ Jesus. Is that I'm keeping in step with the Spirit of God. What I, what I want to do today, in just closing, is I want us to take some time and respond. We're going to have the worship team come up for just a few more minutes. And it's always good to respond, it's good for me to respond. I mean, I hear a message, if I don't respond, if I don't do something, you know, if I don't just do something tangible, it just gets lost. And how many of you teachers, you know that? You got to kind of get your hands on that. You want to get someone practicing something. And so last week we had the chains that we dropped in the bucket. That was just great to even hear. And I hope that left an impression on you. Because when you hear something like that and you experience and you do something like that, you don't forget it. You don't forget it. So today we're going to continue to worship and what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to have invite, I'm going to invite our prayer teams to be around this building and this is what I want you to do. During worship, just get up out of your seat and go receive prayer and just say, Lord, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to join with someone else just to be filled with the Spirit of God and that when I do that, I expect breakthroughs, I expect freedom, I expect God to work in my life. And the reason we can say that is because when we take a step of faith which says pleases God is the faith in our life. that, that, that there, There's something that happens. There's a breakthrough that happens. And so we're going to bow our, our heads just for a moment. I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward. I'm also going to invite our prayer teams to make themselves available at this moment as well. And what we're going to do is we're just going to pray. Father, we just thank you for the word that you've given us. The power that we have in your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I I know there are times I I look like a Christian, I sound like a Christian, but I'm really not keeping in step with the Spirit. I'm I'm not fulfilling the primary function to which I've been called to do, and that is to reflect accurately who you are. And so, Lord, uh, help us in this room reflect accurately who you are in this world. And it comes by living in the Spirit of God. Not through our flesh, which brings death, but through the Spirit, which brings life and peace. So Lord, just right now, cover us, anoint us, fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit as we respond to you. We respond to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And we say together, amen. Amen.